Congregation, let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 11, on page 39. Lord's Day 11, of God the Son. Question 29. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saveth us and delivereth us from our sins. And likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. 30. Do such then believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek the salvation and welfare of saints of themselves or anywhere else? They do not. For though they boast of him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus the only deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive the Savior must find all things in him necessary to their salvation so far. Jesus the Savior is the theme for tonight's sermon, Jesus the Savior. And with the help of the Lord, four thoughts. First, seeking the Savior. Secondly, the only Savior. Three, denying the Savior. And fourth, a complete Savior. Jesus, the Savior, seeking the Savior, only this Savior, denying the Savior, and a complete Savior. Congregation, young people, children, you've heard it tonight, of oh, that man was born blind, couldn't see a thing his whole life. And then the Lord Jesus came, and the Lord Jesus made clay from, from, from the dirt and from the spittle and smeared it on his eyes, anointed him his eyes, smeared it on him. Then he had to go to the water asylum to wash himself, and he sighed, and he came back to the Lord Jesus. He was able to see things never seen before. What a wonder. And yet... The Jews were not happy. It was the Sabbath day, after all. And also, they did not want anyone to believe that this wandering man was the Savior. So they made it quite difficult for him, for his parents, and they cast him out of the synagogue. Cast him out. And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, see, Lord Jesus found the man who was cast out of the synagogue, found him. And he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? What a question. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He was healed, he was helped, he saw again. Does thou believe on the Son of God? And his answer was, Who is he, Lord? Who is he? I don't know. Who is he that I might believe in him? And the Lord Jesus said, 
the house both seen him, and it's he that talked with thee. I am the Christ. I am the Savior. And he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. See? That's how the Lord works. He reveals himself. He see, this, this man was blind before, was made, made, made the blindness was taken away, was healed, and now he saw the Lord Jesus, and he worshipped him. A question. Do you believe in the Son of God? What's your answer? You also say, who is he, Lord? That I may believe in him. I need to know him. I don't know him. May I, may, may I get to know him? May I be able to believe in him? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Or may I please, Lord, tonight to reveal him. Maybe you experienced tonight that he has been close to you and you didn't see it. May also the Lord give the faith of the same faith of this man. And he said, Lord, I believe. But one there will be tonight if you could go home with, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. But as you know, you cannot believe in someone you've never seen. Lord Jesus needs to reveal himself first so you can see him and believe in him. So let's ask tonight if it might please the Lord to reveal him, to reveal him in the Bible, to reveal him in the Scriptures, to reveal him in the text, in the Bible text, in the truth of the Word of God. Ask for that. So the Lord Jesus also reveals himself in his names, right? May the Lord please, may please the Lord to reveal him tonight in his names, in the name Jesus, Savior. Why is the Son of God called Savior? Jesus is Savior. Names are not always so important. Sometimes a name truly fits a person, but often not. In the case of the Lord Jesus, the names all, all are very fitting and very right. So now we are encouraged to consider the name Jesus. Joseph, his father, was confused after he heard the story from his fiancée that she was expecting. He was planning to just leave her without making a big problem of it, secretly, privately. But that night an angel appeared unto him who said that he should not worry. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost had overshadowed Mary, and the child in her was holy, was the Savior. After it was born, he should be called Jesus, the angel said. Call him Jesus. In Hebrew, Jesus is, is Joshua. In Greek, it is Zoltar. In English, it is Savior. In Dutch, it is Redder. In Spanish, it is Salvador. We need a Salvador. We need a Redder. We need the Joshua, the soul that is Savior. And the parents of the Lord Jesus called him that way, the Savior, Jesus. And Christ was a Savior. It was not only his name, he was the Savior. Like Peter was called the rock, right? 
speed means rock. It was called the rock. He wasn't the rock, as you have seen in the Bible. But the Lord Jesus is the Savior. Judas was called Judas, glorified of God, but he wasn't. The Lord Jesus always matches the names. So let me, mention a few, let me just mention a few names of Jesus. He is the son of David, the promised son of David. He is, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, anointed to be priest and king and, and, and prophet. He was the son of God. The Son of Man, he is the Lion from the tribe of Judah. He said himself, I am the door. He said, I am the way. He is the only way. He is the truth. Don't doubt him. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the resurrection. He is the bread of life. Do we eat it? He is the living water. Do we drink him? He is the vine. He is the second Adam. He's the Lord. He's the Redeemer. He's the only begotten Son of God. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Master, the Light of the World, the Word of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the Good Shepherd, the Only Potentate, the Cornerstone, the Consolation of Israel, the Dayspring, the Forerunner, the Head of the Church, the horn of salvation, the express image of God, the morning star, the seed of the woman. It says so many names in the Bible. only mentioned 40. There are way more. And he is all that. Not just the name, he is it. And he reveals himself saying, I am the door, right? So come to the door. I am the lion. Trust in that lion. I am the vine. You have to be planted in the vine. I am the counselor. I can counsel you. And I am the Savior, the Savior to save people, especially from their sins, right? From their sins. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. Heal me, O Lord, he writes, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Pray that. Pray it also tonight. Pray it at home tonight. Save me, Lord. Save me and I shall be saved. Heal me and I shall be healed. As for that salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of Jeremiah 42. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Be not afraid of him, said the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Often in the Bible, the word saving and delivering is used for salvation from the enemy, from in times of war and of, of diseases. Mainly used as being saved from enemies, enemies who takes captive, take captive lead, lead to captivity. The Lord Jesus is called Savior. He saves like his father saves from the slavery in Egypt. He saved from Babylon. 
Salvation also refers to being saved from Satan, from the guilt of sin, from the punishment of sin, from the power of sin, from the slavery of sin, from hell. However, the most essential matter why we need to be saved, I have not mentioned yet. So I'm curious if you would know. It is not death. It's the main problem. It is not hell. That's truly threatening. It is not sin. What is it? We need to be delivered from, mainly from, the hand of an angry God. That's the main thing. We need to be saved not from death and from diseases and from problems in this life. We need to be saved from the wrath, not the Satan's wrath, but God's wrath. Because he is a holy God. He cannot stand sin. He must punish it. He cannot let go. He cannot just turn a blind eye to it. He needs to deal with that according to his holiness. Deuteronomy 4. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Do you realize that we need to be rescued from God? Jonathan Edwards, you've heard of him, wrote a very famous sermon called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Sinners in the hand of an angry God. He uses the text Deuteronomy 32. Their foot shall slide in due time. Their foot shall slide in due time. They will fall. And let me just quote from the text. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering and there are innumerable places in this covering so weak that it will not bear the weight and these places are not seen. So hell with a cover and you walk on that cover um, there are many weak places, and you don't see it. There two steps. You can just any time fall through the, the lid, fall through the covering. Have you now? That soon made a huge impact on people. It was also part of the revival. Now, true it is. God is against people. He's a loving God. He's a patient God. He waits for people. He doesn't execute His wrath yet, but it is coming. Their foot shall slide in due time. Someday they'll come, earlier or later. And then, is that biblical? To speak about an angry God? A God who's avenging himself and is doing justice? Nahum 1. The Lord is slow to anger. Slow to anger, yes. And great in power and will not at all Acquit the wicked. The Lord has his, his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. 
Or number four, the Lord is long-suffering, absolutely. And of great mercy, oh yes, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. So that he's a forgiving God, a merciful God, and at the same time an angry God. That's why the Lord Jesus came. To save people because God is in love. He sent his only son out of love to deal with his own anger. So the Lord is warning people of his own anger. You can find this sermon in the bundle of John Edwards called On Knowing Christ. Sermon 7. You may want to look at it yourself and read it. He's ending it soon in a very special way. Let me also quote that piece, the end, the last paragraph. Therefore, let everyone that is out of Christ now awake and fly from the wrath to God. The wrath of an almighty God is now undoubtedly hanging over a great part of this congregation. God's almighty wrath is undoubtedly hanging over a part of a great part of this congregation. Let everyone fly out of Sodom, haste and escape for your lives. Look not behind you, escape to the mountains, lest you be consumed. Are we seeking that Savior? We seek him. He's the only one. Our second thought. Only this Savior. Christ is the Savior. He's the only one. So we should not seek another one. And there is no other one. We should not seek someone elsewhere. There is no, no one else. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Did you hear that? There's a name given of the Savior of Jesus. That name is given. Revelation of the Lord is given. The name Jesus under heaven. Not above heaven, under heaven, on earth, among men, among people, sinners, whereby we must be saved. If you need to be saved, he is the only possibility. He wants you to seek salvation only in him. He must. No, the Lord is not obliged to save anyone. No duty, no, no obligation. But God loves to hear people say, Lord, I must be saved. I must be saved. Lord, I can't let go. The Lord is pleased with that. And people are begging him and say, Lord, I can't let go. I must be saved. Christ is unique. There's none like him. We read in 1 Samuel 2 verse 2 something of the uniqueness of God. And that refers also to Jesus. Hear this. There is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee. 
Neither is there any rock like our God. He's the only rock. So that the people see salvation. They need, to, they need to seek it in him only. He's the only Savior. No other name given among men. And let me try to bring it home a little closer. With some Bible text. There's only one way. John 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See? The wrath of God is abiding on people. If they don't believe in him, there's no other way. Or John 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. You must drink it. You must eat the flesh of God's Son and drink his blood, except you eat it, except that fact. You cannot be saved. You have no life in you. There's nothing unclean here, right? Or 1 John 5, verse 12. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. So do you have the Son? Do you know something of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't, they have no life in you. You need that life in the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. See that? But by me. You have to find that route. You have to find that door. You have to find that way. To find that vine. To find that bread. To find that Savior. Outside of him, there is no salvation. So you can't say, well, or such a beautiful Bible text, I love thee with eternal love, or something. Many beautiful Bible verses in Scripture. And they sometimes appeal to people and make people emotional. But you know, it is not Jesus. We need Jesus. We need to save him. We need to see him. We need to have, have him revealed to our hearts and to trust in him personally, in relationship with him. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Oh, so many are deceiving themselves. So many have a false foundation. They built on something that is not Jesus. It's not who is not. They're building on the sand. For there is only there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus is only one. You can look 
and look and try to find another route, it does not exist. So don't seek further. Don't look around for another alternative. He's the only one. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, accepted by in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. You have to be in him and abide in him. No alternatives, no other options. So do you look for a savior? Are you looking to the right and to the left and up and down? How foolish are we? He is so close, he's in the world. It's a waste of time to seek salvation outside of him. Nobody qualifies. Only he does. The Savior does. He has two natures, divine nature and human nature. He has no sin, yet he was made to be sin for his people, that they may be righteous of God in him. He suffered innumerable reproaches. He is most gracious, most willing. He experienced the agonies of hell. He prayed for his church. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He qualifies. Why looking for someone else? You need him, only him. So from now on, don't only pray to God in general, pray to the Lord Jesus. Son of David, deliver me. May I find Christ in the Bible. May he become my Savior, not only vaguely, but personally and clearly. The Lord Jesus asked his disciples if they also want to go away. Soon he had left him and didn't walk with the Lord Jesus anymore. So he asked, they'll also go. And the apostle Peter answered him, Lord, to whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was so convinced he couldn't go anywhere else but to him. Thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? Is it also in your heart? To whom else shall we go? Have you fled to him? Are you on your way to him? You are on your way to him if you believe in him. It might be too big of a word to say that you have him, but do you believe in him? So he is the savior that we must seek. He's the only savior. I think I made it clear enough. Let's go to the third thought, denying the Savior. We should not deny, not ignore the Savior God has so graciously granted. Yet many deny him unknowingly. Many deny him not with the mouth, but deny him with the heart. They say that they believe in Jesus. And they say, I'm saved, and I go to heaven, and I can profess him, and I am forgiven. And they 
they think that they profess and that they don't deny him. But it is possible to deny him with the heart. Right? Is that what we see here? Answer 30. For though they boast of him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus, the only deliverer and savior. So they're boasting of him. They always talk about Jesus. They're always ready to die. They seem to have very little doubts, and they profess him. And it is possible that they're boasting of him in words, yet in deeds they deny him with the heart. So they don't lean on him. He is not the only savior for them. The only, it's only talk. It is not reality. Lots of children have been brainwashed. Young people in other churches, many other churches, are brainwashed. You're saved. Don't make a problem. They just believe that you have been saved. It's wrong, they say, it's wrong to doubt it. You must trust in the Lord and you're fine. In some churches it is sin to not believe that your sins are forgiven. Well, don't we have to believe then? We have to believe in Jesus. But don't believe that your sins are forgiven if they're not forgiven. If they're forgiven, then you may believe that they are forgiven. If they're not, not forgiven, don't believe that. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and not just only in believing that you are saved. Matthew 15. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So there's also possible today that you go to the Lord's Supper table, you think you're saved, all people just believe you're saved, you live also accordingly, you're an example to others, and with your lips you profess him, and you honor him with your lips, but your heart far from him. How's your heart? Does your heart also say the same thing? Or is your heart cold? Is your heart unfamiliar with Christ Jesus? Do you know with him with the heart, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say, begin not to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Also during the time of the Lord Jesus, the Pharisees and many others said, of course, we were circumcised. Of course, we are covenant people. The Lord has chosen us as a people. We don't doubt that. We don't doubt that it's not true. We are, we are safe, we are sound, we trust that it's okay. Don't begin to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father. God can raise children of Abraham out of stones. Also Amos, 
He's talking about that in the time of the Old Testament. Many people said, Behold that the day comes, the promised day of the return of the Savior and of the kingdom of God. And they're hoping for that and longing for that day. Woe unto them, woe unto the desire, the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. You think there'll be light? No, there'll be darkness. You think you have your hopes up. You think you'll be fine. I doubt it. Many deny Jesus also knowingly. They don't profess. They don't go to the Lord's supper table. They don't believe. They also are open about that. They're honest about it. And they openly admit that they deny the Lord Jesus. And many are not even ashamed of it either. Many deny also temporarily God's people. Sometimes deny him temporarily. They deny him with the mouth. But the heart is still in the right place. Like the two men of Emmaus, their hearts are burning. And they believed in the Savior. They could not miss him. They could not deny him. And yet, so many doubts. Or think of Thomas. Why so hesitant, people of God, to believe in him? Satan is lying, and our understanding is darkened, and pride is in the way. Deeply ingrained in us is that we must qualify for believing in Christ. It's going to fear self-deceit. But it easily results also in believing that the Lord, the Lord holds us back or in believing that there is small print in the margin. Others believe in him and do not deny him anymore. Thou hast the words of eternal life. In summary, we need to give up ourselves while we have a heart that is proud and we don't see how heinous our sins are and not realize that they need a Savior. If you deny him, he will deny you. Do you know the text? Often 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 is quoted, out of context. And people see something beautiful and comforting in there, and there's nothing comforting in there. The text is this. If we believe not, yet he abide faithful. He cannot deny himself. Oh, beautiful, some people say, he does not deny himself. We believe not, yet he abide faithful. But now read the text before that. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abide faithful to himself. He cannot deny himself. And there will be consequences. So, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. 
training your soul to profess that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brings to the last thought. Congregation, the fourth thought is a complete Savior. Have you seen the last part of answer 30? For one of these things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by true faith receive the Savior must find all things in him necessary to their salvation. So we have seen that we may not deny the Savior, that we need a Savior, but about having a partial Savior. The Savior is doing almost everything except one percentage or so. You, you may have heard of Richard Baxter, a Puritan. But many Puritans did not agree with him on this point. Richard Baxter spoke of a peppercorn. And a peppercorn is just a little ungrinded piece of pepper. And he has the example of a farmer who was renting the farm from nobility, and they had to pay every year one peppercorn. It was extremely cheap, unbelievable cheap. It actually doesn't mean anything, right? If you have to pay a peppercorn only for a whole year so you can be on the farm and make money. One peppercorn. And Richard Baxter said, that's how it is in, this, in salvation. It's absolutely free. You only need one peppercorn. Just, just a little bit. That's all you need. Owen, the famous theologian, Owen strongly disagreed and said if it depends on one peppercorn, it's lost. We need a complete Savior who's doing everything. The Lord has no use for anything on our side. We cannot pay a dime, nothing, absolutely zero. And if there's just a little bit you have to come up with ourselves, it is a lost case. You say, I don't have that. And Richard Bass said that peppercorn is your will. You have to do this will. The only will. The rest is okay. The rest of the Lord take care of. The problem is I don't even have that will. I have nothing. If there's one peppercorn of amount of peppercorn depends upon, upon me, it is a false through. It is not working. Benjamin Warfield wrote on this. It is not faith that serves, that saves. It is not, strictly speaking, even faith in Christ that saves. So faith does not save. Faith in Christ does not save, he said. The saving, only Christ saves through faith. The saving power resides exclusively not in the act of faith or the attitude of faith, but in the object of faith, Christ Jesus himself. So, again, believing 
Is this the peppercorn? Believing in Jesus, is this the peppercorn? Or believing only in him, only in Jesus himself, that he is doing all the work. So it's not my faith. I only receive my faith. You can find something similar on page 52. And in Lord's Day 23, question and answer 61. Why sayest thou that thou art righteous by faith only? Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith, or peppercorn, but because only the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God, and that I cannot receive and apply the same to myself any other way than by faith only. So believing is only receiving, not doing, not qualifying, not paying, not even a peppercorn. And that irritates man to nowhere. Right? That I can do anything. Lord, that can never give me an encouragement. You are doing well. It also needs to come from your side. Only if you want. All that irritates people. Because that means that there's absolutely nothing in us for, for, for the first in there. But it's also very comforting, isn't it? That the Lord says, keep that peppercorn. Keep everything to yourself. You don't have to present anything without money, without price. The Savior Jesus Christ doing everything. What a joy that will be in heaven. That God receives all the glory. And nobody can say, yet I had a peppercorn. Suppose that people can talk to one another in heaven. And that they just are boasting and say, I was willing. And those other people are dumb. They did not come with the peppercorn. It's so little. And they did not come with it. But I did. No, no. It will be by grace, by grace only. So believing should not be approached as a new work. At all. Some people say in the old dispensation, it was by works before the fall, rather. By, by works, the, the, the covenant works. And now it's not by works anymore, it is now by faith. Yes, but not faith as a work. Because otherwise, there's no difference. Believing is not doing something. Believing is rather doing nothing. Doing nothing? Yes, we work too hard. We try to qualify. You know the example of that tired man? I used that example before. But for the children, again, a man was standing before his chair at home, 
standing, and he said to his wife, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. You can't believe it, how tired I am. And his wife said, well, sit down then. The chair is just behind you. Just fall back. Let yourself go. He said, I am too tired for that. She said, you can't be too tired for that. You can't be too tired to stand up. You can't be too tired to sit down. Right? And that is believing. Believing is not doing something to stand up for the Lord, even not the peppercorn. It is doing nothing. Let me back it up with the Bible. Otherwise you may think, you know, this is just a human explanation. Romans 4 verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but instead of believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. See that? That is so pleasing to the Lord when the poor people does not even have a peppercorn. And they say, Lord, I let thee do all the rest. So, dear sinner, you feel vile, you can't help yourself, but let him save you. Let him do it now. Why struggling? Why standing up for yourself? Why not sit there? Why not to re- rely on the gospel and the promises and to seek salvation outside of self in another? He is a complete Savior. And by a true faith, receiving that Savior means finding all things in him necessary for your salvation. And it is all in him. Also go over all those names of the Lord Jesus. It's all in him. He says also reprimanding, I am the way. Don't go there. I am the Lord. Don't go there. I am divine. Don't go there. I am. Many I am's in the Bible regarding the Lord Jesus. Again, this sinner, you're vile, you can't help yourself, but let him then save you. Amen.